The Oregon State Beavers fell 31-24 at Washington State on Saturday in a disappointing defeat. They were actually favored on the road in the Pac-12. The passing game, they couldn't stop. And their own passing game, they couldn't execute. There to watch all the action was our own Nick Daschle. Welcome to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress, so and we're going to break down this defeat. It's not very often that you say the Oregon State Beavers got upset in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, they did in this regard. It was a pretty interesting game, but pretty disjointed from Oregon State's standpoint. Uh, Nick, your initial impressions on this loss and what it means for the Beavers. I was wondering if we were going to call this the the sky isn't falling pod. <laughs> week, week, week two, last week you had the, the Oregon pod where Stanford won, and then, now you got the Washington State win over Oregon State, and I don't know. Do we need to do? Do we need to counsel fans that the sky isn't falling, or do we tell them that that uh, brace yourself? You know, more bad news is ahead. I'm not sure which one to go, but combination. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, it was definitely a it was definitely a disappointing loss for Oregon State. You know, just based on you know several things. You know, it was a game they certainly could have won just with a couple of you know probably two or three plays changes you could go to the fake punt you could go to the way they ran they ran that final drive um you know a couple of pass plays on defense just you know it was a team they could have beaten but they didn't and now and now their margin of error is pretty much gone margin of error for well, any 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 of the you know, bigger goals. I mean, they they still are in good shape to to get to a bowl game. But I mean, you know, they have a goal of winning the North, and and they had a little bit of margin of error going to the Washington State game. Now that's right. pretty much gone. I, you know, at this point, I they kind of need to. I don't know if they need to run the table, but they they got to go five and one probably, and the rest of the way and. And and probably beat Oregon to, to to win that game. Where whereas you know they beat Washington State, they still have a little bit of you know wiggle room. Right. I kind of look at the conference as almost an NFL situation where they're going to cannibalize each other, especially in the North Division. I think if they go four and two the rest of the way, I think they can still win it. I don't think they have to quite go five one because I think everyone else is going to lose <laughs> several games themselves combined at least. Uh, the, the the division is just not very good, and Oregon is in huge trouble. Like they, I, I didn't, I wasn't buying them coming in. I wasn't buying them after Ohio state. I'm sure as heck not buying them after losing to Stanford. And they just lost CJ Verdell and they have limited running back depth. I think that's going to be a killer for them. So I, I do think that Oregon state's still in a good position to win that division because it's such a mess, but clearly it's such a disappointing situation because your favorite on the road at Washington state, a, a team that we all would think that they would, defeat they could be five and one right now but i think the loss sort of tells us coupled with the fact that they barely beat washington that you know we were kind of more right before saying that we we kind of would like to see them get a split there right as opposed to after usc we're thinking well they could sweep those guys well let's go back to usc again they're not any good right? no. so so beating usc you know, the, being those athletes was impressive, but USC is just a mess. So that win is not as impressive as it was a couple of weeks ago. And then their Oregon State's kind of right where we thought they were in terms of guys split against the Washington teams. So they're still good. They're still way better than they were last year. Um, they're not world beaters. Like maybe they could have shown, not world beaters, but could have shown they could have been maybe an eight or nine win team, uh, potentially with the win at Washington State, but they're still in this thing because the division is just a mess. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, right. I mean, and they're still they're still okay. They still have a good running game. That's the one thing they can hang their hat on. But they got some stuff to fix during the bye week for sure. There's uh, and and then they've got a very tough game coming up against Utah, which right. may or may or may not be coming off a, a win or loss against Arizona State because they play Saturday. So. Um, you know, they better get some things fixed on, especially on defense. And we'll be talking about the third down defense later, but that's, that's one that's really got to, they, they've got to take a long look at and figure out what's going wrong there. All right. Let's start with the offense though. They rushed for 309 yards and lost. I'm willing to say that in the history of college football, teams that rush for 300 yards and lose running like the 5% range. <laughs> It's really difficult to run the ball for that many yards. And then I would say you fall to like the 1% range. If you rush for 300 and hold the other team to under 100, which Oregon State just did, 92 yards rushing, it's very difficult to lose a football game that way. But Oregon State did that, and they did so primarily because uh, their passing game was really struggling. Of course, we'll get to their pass defense was was getting ripped to shreds. But the passing game just wasn't there to complement the run game for the second week in a row. Now, we praised Chance Nolan to the hilt coming out of the USC game. In my film session thing, I was, you know, just glorifying him for the, some of the throws he made in that game. But, wow, he has struggled two straight games. Let's start there. Is this just a huge alarm right now that, you know, this – He's just not performing. Okay, let me ask it this way. Is he simply struggling, or is he just not what we thought he might have been coming out of SC? Well, it's a it's a combination of things. Yeah, you know, one, no, he's he's struggling to throw the ball. The ball coming out of his hand doesn't look all that great. He is, you know, the the passes seem to be a little bit wobbly. He and maybe that's he's trying to throw it too hard. I'm not sure. Um, he's he's missing some receivers. He, he he badly missed uh, B.J. Baylor on the on the sideline on one on one throw during early in the second half that was just mind boggling how badly he missed the guy. Um, but but beyond that, his receivers aren't helping him out one bit. They drop three or four passes. They're not getting much separation. You know, maybe they need to change up the routes a little bit, or 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 you know, to maybe some quicker quicker passes i you know i don't know and i'm sure that's something jonathan said that after his press conference on saturday that you know as coaches we've got to figure out we're we're better than this and we've got to figure out some some ways to make the passing game better He, he you know he kept alluding to um he's been alluding to the opportunities that nolan's had the last couple weeks in that he can't get in a rhythm because they're not throwing the ball much but i i don't I, I see that more. That's that's an excuse to me. I you you could throw the ball fifteen or twenty times and like and they did against UFC. Yeah, and be effective. He's he yeah. just not throwing. He's not throwing it well. And the receivers aren't 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 getting open. And and particularly disappointing are the tight ends. And I I've I've asked this question over and over and over down there. And all I get is uh, well they're really blocking well in the run game and we really like that. Which which is great. I mean that's yeah I, I get that. But at some point, Luke Musgrave has got to step up and, and be a threat in the, in the passing game. He's six six. He's got speed. He's athletic. 
He showed a lot in camp. He's done nothing in the passing game so far this year. Mm-hmm. He, he, they got to find a way to get him get him going. They targeted the tight end six times on on Saturday, and there was one catch. And their tight ends are just too good not to not to be using them more than they do in the pass game. Right. Um, it seemed to me that it was just one of those days where, okay. You mentioned not getting separation, and of course there were protection issues, and then of course Chance had some bad throws. It, statistically, it all falls under Chance's numbers, right? Eleven for twenty-five, or whatever he was. But it just seemed like on the majority of pass plays, one or two of those things went awry. <laughs> like it was always something. Guys would be open, he didn't have time, or he missed them. He'd have time, no one would be open, right? Or um, he'd have time, someone's open, and he missed them. Like, it was just always something. that was It was just completely disjointed in the passing game. He made some really nice throws, and there were some really nice catches, and there were some times when the offensive line did it in the backs and tight ends did a great job picking up blitzes. But everything never fell – excuse me, they rarely fell together at the same time to, to allow them to, A, get big plays in the passing game or just sustain some drives uh, on third down because the running game was – eating Washington State alive, and if you just give a little bit of more efficiency from the passing game to support that, then you're pretty much unstoppable. And they just kept stopping themselves because they just couldn't figure things out in in terms of putting all three of those things together in the passing game. It was just a disjointed afternoon. Yeah, and I sometimes I wonder if Chance is almost a little too hesitant to run the ball. Um, there were, seemed like there were a couple times where he he could have taken off and run, but he he's got in his head that you know I need to be a passer, I need to stay in the pocket or at least move around a little bit and get the ball downfield with my arm. And there were a few times I thought he could have just tucked it and run and and got seven, ten, twelve yards out of a play, but right. instead instead he tried to you know fit a fit a ball in a tight window. I mean there was the one in the right late in the first half. Uh, he threw an interception on a ball that I mean that just should not happen where he did it and and he and he there was a chance to run there for some yards now maybe he doesn't get the first down but in that situation you're just trying to get out of the half with a 10-3 lead instead he throws a pick and Washington State has a just a golden opportunity to score right before halftime and it took a great defensive play to to keep that from happening but you know, I just wonder if maybe they need to get him a little bit more involved in in the run game himself, and and maybe occasionally just tuck it and run. Sometimes I, I you know that I, I know that's a, I know he has evolved in that part of his game where last year he he would look at one receiver wasn't open he'd just run, which isn't what they should do. But I mean, after you get to the second guy and he's not open and you see some space, maybe, maybe you got to run occasionally in those situations. Now, what's the timetable for Jibia, Tristan Jibia? You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm talking to Jonathan on Wednesday. I was going to ask him, you know, where things stood on that, on that front. Jebia was in Pullman in uniform. He pretty much all he does is, is, do handoffs and warm up. He doesn't really do much of anything else. I don't know if he's anywhere close to even taking snaps in a, in practice. Um, 
He hadn't last time I, I asked. And the bigger question is, at what point does Sam Neuer become, um, you know, a viable candidate? You know, if Chance struggles again against Utah, throwing the ball, yeah, yeah I think I think they got to look at Neuer to some degree because whether Chance Nolan or Sam Neuer back at quarterback, that running game is still going to be good. You would right. think so. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see. I you know, I still think. Chance Nolan is their best option at this point, but you know, like the Beavers, <laughs> the margin of error is pretty much gone. <laughs> well, since you know we're talking about the offense, we kind of picked on the passing game. Man, let's let's give some praise to that rushing attack. Because wow, they had it going. They've had it going all season, leading the conference in rushing. I think they're top ten in the nation, aren't they? I haven't checked this week, but they're definitely one of the top rushing teams in the country. Uh, just your impressions from the press box, watching them go to work. Boy, you know when they when they run want to run power. Boy, it is tough to stop. I yeah. I I noticed. Uh, you know, I I mentioned this in a one of my early posts this weekend. You know, on the first touchdown, they put in Jack Coletto as a Wildcat quarterback, and they put four tight ends in there. <laughs> you got four tight ends <laughs> at the two yard line with five offensive linemen. I mean. <laughs> That's tough. That's I mean they just they they're really they're really rolling over defensive fronts right now and uh yeah it was it was something to watch. I mean Washington State isn't the great and and he kind of knew that was going to happen because Washington State is quick but they're not very big and if you know they can get if Oregon State could get a hat on a hat it was it was going to be an Oregon State mismatch. And that's kind of what it proved to be. And BJ Baylor is—he's starting to prove that they're not missing Jamar Jeff. They're not missing Jamar Jefferson at all. I he mean, looks just uh, like him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> he swapped jerseys. He looked just I, like him almost. I'm not. I, 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 I'm not discounting what Jefferson did. He was great. Yeah, but Baylor, Baylor has been just as good. Uh, he's been just as good. I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a touch less explosive but it's hard to it's hard it's really hard to say that so i don't know i, I was gonna ask jonathan what he thought you know the the difference between the two backs are because right now i'm baylor's got 400 yard games he you know he's he's one of the top he's, he's in the top seven in rushing yards and and touchdowns in the country um they got to be happy with what they got in the in the backfield, especially with you know you mentioned earlier you, you know the three hundred nine yards losing a game. I I I want to know, and I'm trying to find this out, and I don't know if anybody has this, but when was the last time a team had two one hundred yard rushers? You know, outside of a Navy Air Force or you know those teams that all they do is run, has two one hundred yard rushers and did not punt the ball and lost a game. <laughs> And that's hard. I mean, that's hard to do, isn't that is, it? That is, that's really incredibly hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, so. <laughs> I wonder if there is a stat on that. Uh, speaking of Baylor, leading the conference in rushing yards and rushing yards per game, he's at one thirteen. No one else is averaging over a hundred. He's averaging six point eight five yards per carry, which far and away leads the conference. Actually, uh, UCLA is back. Zach Chabonet. Chabonet? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Six point four. Uh, he's got uh, Baylor's got nine rushing touchdowns, which is which is tied with Rachad White of ASU. Uh, right now, since there isn't a dominant quarterback in the conference, 
Is he's there? offensive. There isn't really. I mean, there. You know, there's no one that you look at and go, "Wow, this guy's putting up amazing numbers, and he's an amazing talent right now." So, if the season ended today, BJ Baylor is offensive player of the year. Yeah, or I, I, well, or or Drake Landon or London, excuse me, Drake Landon, yeah, USC receiver. Yeah, it's a short, it's a short list to be sure. I mean, I would, I, I want to see where Jaden Delora goes because when he's played and he's been healthy, boy, he can rip it up. And you know, I usually offensive player of the year has to come from a team that's pretty good. So I don't know if he'll he'll have a shot at winning that if Washington State doesn't win a bunch of games, but you know. From the quarterbacks I've seen, Delora's hard to beat. He's he's yeah, he's nice, but he's but he's only at two thirty four a game. Like that's that he's got he's got to get that up there, right? Uh, but he but he also missed a game, and he also uh, played like just part of another game. So he really has a, he, he he's missed some time. So that's part of the reason why he's well. But I said that was his average though two thirty four. So that right, but, even, right, that's right. But, but 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 I think he had one game where he where he left like early in the first half. So so, so that, that that brings him down. Yeah, yeah, that game. Bring, I mean, but that three ninety nine he put up against Oregon State, and granted it was against Oregon State, but I mean <laughs> they they made. I mean, I I mean their their goal, I believe. Was to keep him in the pocket. They didn't want him because he can run, yeah. and they kept him in the pocket, and that turned out to be a disaster because <laughs> he he ripped it up from the pocket. Right. Well, at the very least, BJ Baylor, as of right now, is certainly in the offensive player of the year discussion. No doubt about that. And Oregon State has its passing, excuse me, its running game, rushing game seems to be rolling along right now. So let's move on to. The defense. So clearly, even with the struggles in the passing game for the offense, what killed Oregon State the most was their inability to get Washington State off the field on third down and slow down that passing game. Now, Washington State for years, you know, since Leach came aboard and now with the new coach, when they spread you out and they get that quick passing game going, it is extremely difficult to deal with, especially when they have an efficient quarterback. And Delora can definitely be that because the quick passing game, they have, you know, they never get elite four or five star receivers, but they get really good, quick, fast receivers with sure hands. Once they, they run quick, precise timing routes, once they get the ball, they're good after the catch. And Oregon State just struggled the entire game trying to figure out, okay, do we try and bring some more pressure? But then we're giving up coverage. They're throwing quick passes. When we do that, okay, when we drop, we have no pressure whatsoever. And they got five receivers running routes at different levels and guys are finding holes. The quarterback has all day. He's hitting whoever he wants to hit. Like it's just a pick your poison situation. The only real way to combat it is to be able to play straight up man to man, tight man to man and bring some heat. And then when they throw quick passes, you were there to to tackle them right away. And Oregon State was not able to do that when they tried that. So just your impressions on what, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's one thing that Oregon State struggled against this, but Washington State was just on. And when they're on, they're going to light you up. I've seen them in the past do that to some really good Oregon defenses as well. Um, and it's just when they got it going, it's difficult. But it also appears that this is a trend for Oregon State that they do struggle in this area. Yeah, I mean, it's a little unfair just to blame it all in the secondary because – it's it's a team effort and and the the pass rush never did they didn't touch him there he i i believe oregon state had one sack and one hurry in the entire game he mostly was sitting back there just 
I mean, he was going to a second and third guy pretty much all game long because he had plenty of time to throw. And, you know, I, I haven't watched the replay of the game yet, so I, I it's hard for me to say exactly what went wrong. But it seemed like they were giving the receivers a little bit too much, too much cushion. Um, it seemed like the middle of the field was always wide open and the tackling was 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 as poor as it's been all year. It, it it really was it really wasn't good on Saturday. So it was just kind of a recipe. Plus the other thing I thought happened in the in the second half, um, they got or Washington State got their running game going a little bit. They they got some yards in the first half, but they were between the twenties. Once they got to the twenty, Oregon State, you know, s- stood up and stopped stopped Washington State all three times they got in the red zone. They they kicked one field goal. But they only had 19 yards rushing in the first half. But they got Dion McIntosh going in the third quarter. And for whatever reason, that seemed to loosen things up a little bit. And I think Washington State changed some of their routes a little bit. And, I mean, it was that was a track meet. That was a track meet in the second half. They, right. I don't think Oregon state ever figured out what, what they were doing. Yeah. It's, it's a tough situation. You know, like you mentioned, not getting pressure on them. Well, if you com- if you only rush four and he's blocking with five and they're protecting with five, Washington state has the advantage, right? If you bring a fifth, now you're covering five. Re- if they're empty, you're covering five receivers with six. And if they're running really good quick timing patterns and you're not playing tight man, then you're in trouble if you have an accurate quarterback, like you just are. Uh, and then if you, if you commit to more in coverage, you know, eight, drop eight and bring three, well, now you're really not going to get to them with three. Plus, if you bring four against five or three against five and someone does get some penetration, right? He's a very elusive quick guy. So he's going to make that guy miss. He's going to make one guy miss. And so now when he moves out of the pocket, there's only a couple other guys involved in the pass rush. So who's really going to track him down? Who's going to contain him in the pocket? Well, no one. So now he's moving out of the pocket. And now you're screwed. So it's, it's really, really a difficult situation. And like I said, the best way to combat that is when you have DBs who can match up and lock fools down and tight man, not necessarily press, but tight man. You're six or seven yards off. You're taking away the inside. And I just don't know if Oregon State has those, those types of guys. So moving forward, Right. If, if I'm a team that has a good quarterback and some good receivers, I'm looking at this film and I'm thinking, Oh yeah, we're going to be able to torch these guys with this type of passing attack. Uh, because Washington State sort of laid the roadmap for other teams. But then you, you look at what, what's ahead for Oregon State. Who has that kind of attack? Utah? No. Uh, Cal? No. Colorado? No. Stanford? No. Maybe Arizona. Well, Stan- State. Stanford has the quarterback who could spread you out and they got big, big receivers. So, but they're they're gonna lean on the run. But they what they okay for example like the, what they did to Oregon on the on the final drive. Like if I'm if I'm Stanford and I see this this film, I'm gonna put more spread stuff in for this game than I would normally do. If I'm Oregon, I'm, I'm already running spread. And Arizona State, you definitely have to worry about them. Yeah, I I get yeah you might be right. I guess what I'm saying is there's not a lot of Washington State attacks left on the schedule, so maybe this was an outlier, but. Because they've been okay, except against Hawaii and Washington State in in these crucial passing situations. Um, so uh, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just toss this defense yet. But but they they definitely have some work to do. They definitely. Have I'm, some not, work I'm not tossing. I'm just saying, if yeah. I have a good quarterback 
and a good receivers, I'm putting in more spread stuff that I might normally against this team if I think I can duplicate what Washington State was able to do. That's all. I'm right, saying. right. But didn't, didn't we just didn't we just talk about? Are there any good quarterbacks in this league? <laughs> well, there, well, there's there's good enough quarterbacks. Yeah. But there's not an elite one that I think is going to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. Yeah. But but the Arizona State kid, for example, like that guy's. Oh yeah, I I pretty. I mean I yeah I I. I don't know that's a game where Oregon State could win just because they can run it and throw it and it's going to be a handful but that's that's way down the road but 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 outside of that that's I don't see him facing a lot of those Washington State type attacks. Right. I I don't I don't disagree in in the normal style of a team. What I'm saying is that teams can adjust their game plan and take advantage of what works. Anyway, moving yeah. on, the third down situation. <laughs> 10 of 16 allowed. This has been a problem off and on this season. And now again, we could just say, hey, Washington State style, right? Like they're good on third down because they're so efficient when they're on. They're so efficient at getting rid of the ball quickly to to quick receivers who are getting open on quick routes. So you could chalk it up to that. Or this is the continuation of a problem that has popped up here and there during the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't know what the what – the- answer to the situation is because typically if you're bad on third down it's it's a product of what happened on first and second down and you're you know you're facing a lot of third and ones and twos and threes um but oregon state (laughs) you know against hawaii for example they they hawaii converted nine third downs and every one of them was third and seven or longer um there there weren't quite as many of those in this game but but Washington State was eight of eight on third down in the second half. I mean, it was just it was just they, they and Oregon State at this point I think is number one twenty four in the country on in third on third down defense, and that's not a that that that's not an outlier. This happens every year. They're right. they're in the, they're in the bottom twenty in the country in third down defense for shoot for at least the last five or six years. It's it's been. A decade since they've been in the top fifty in the country in third down defense. So, uh, I I don't know what the answer is. I, I well, I mean, the answer is for starters, you got to be better on first down. But even when you get those long situations, may, maybe it's maybe it's mixing up, adding more pressure. Um, you know, cha- some different looks. I I don't know the answer, but I just know what's happening. It's bad. It's the the, the statistics say this team, if they keep going, giving up fifty percent on third down, they're not going to win many more games. Right. Right now, they're at forty nine point. Excuse me, forty seven point nine, which is last in the conference. To put that into perspective, USC is leading the conference at thirty three point eight, which is interesting given their. Their struggles in Colorado's second best in the conference at 35.8. So that gives you a reference point as to how bad 47, 49, excuse me, 47.2 is. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's something that definitely needs to get cleaned up as but, well. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, I mean, but like I said, this has just been a, it's, it's been like this for, you know, Jonathan. Uh, yeah. It, it's been, I wrote about it yesterday. They, They've been uh, since 19, 2017, 130 in the country, 127 in the country, 107 in the country, 106 in the country, and then this year 124. I mean, it's boy, if there's something that needs to be fixed on this defense, it's third down. <laughs> Absolutely. 
You are listening to Beaver Banter, and we'll be right back after a quick break. Let's move to the fake punt early in the second half. I don't mind faking it there. My, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to defer to you, obviously, because you cover this team on a daily basis. I just thought it was an interesting play call because you had both gunners running go routes and your quarterback throwing it deep. Your quarterback slash punter, I should say, throwing it deep. What was your take on, on that situation? Because to me, you're saying that you know you're going to beat this guy one on one on a go route and that your quarterback can make that throw. And actually, it wasn't a horrible throw. But what was your take on on that call then and the type of play they ran? Throwing it to a freshman DB, as a matter of fact. <laughs> that was who they had running down there. Um, right. You know, this this is the one of all the plays this weekend that has Beaver fans in, in just uh, – it's a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> if you look on message boards, on social media – it, it it goes back to the whole thing that they that they hate Jonathan the most about is his is his reckless what they believe is his reckless ways you know why does he do these things that's who Jonathan is wait 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 so people hate Jonathan about anything yes they do not like the fact that he is always going for it on fourth down you know they there's a lot of people that think you know you got to punt the ball on fourth down and you you must uh you know you, you you just you can't be going for these fakes and all this stuff well that's what Jonathan is i mean that's how he's that's part of the way he's built this program and you know if if you love Jonathan Smith you got to love everything about him and if if you're going to follow him and that's you know i they didn't just sit there on the sideline and go god you know it's 10 to 3 maybe we should try a fake punt no, they were working on this in practice on Tuesday and Wednesday after they watched film and saw Washington State had a flaw in their coverage. And that's what, and they thought that's what they were going to catch Washington's. That was their first and only punt attempt. They didn't actually punt in the game because that was their only, you know, attempt. I'm sure they were waiting. They were going to run it on whenever their first punt of the game was. That was the one they were going to try, you know, as long as it wasn't, you know, at the 10 yard line or something. Um, they thought something was going to be there. It didn't happen. You know, I, I, I don't know how you abort out of a, out of a fake punt situation. I, I get, I think he might've had time to, to, you know, to, to get out of it and punt it, but I'm not, I'd have to see the, the film. For well, sure, you just but, take the penalty. If you don't like it. Take the penalty. What's five yards, right? Well, I mean, I think at the line of scrimmage, they thought that the, it was going to, it was going to work, but yeah, it, it, you know, the, the, but why? Did Smith say like what like the play didn't come close to working? So it's one of those things where running a go route on someone and throwing it deep is a low percentage situation anyway, unless the DB is incompetent, right? So if you're you're banking like you said, it's a DB running the route. Now this kid probably it's it was uh who was it um Skyler Skyler Thomas right. he's a, Skyler yeah, he Thomas? was probably he was probably so, a receiver in high school sure. exactly. So like yeah, it, it isn't rocket science necessary in that situation just run downfield. But unless you're lining the guy up and beating him, you're not creating an obvious pass window. So now you have your punter. Now, was Luke a quarterback in, in high school? Does he have quarterbacking history? Like, I don't know. Uh, and Jonathan also, he, he actually said after the game, that's one he, that's one he, 
he wishes he had back. And there's some there's some thought that he even apologized to the team about it afterward. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but um so I think that that you know, in retrospect that's one he'd like to have back. But but still, I mean you know, what if what if they hit that pass for some reason? I you know, everybody thinks he's a genius and all of a sudden I mean I still remember yeah, some of Yeah, that's that. one of those that's one of those where you're still going, What the heck was that? Oh, it worked. But it's just—it just—it yeah. was weird. It was weird. Like I'm not—I'm not, I'm not, defa- I'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending. It was—it was a bad. It was—it was—it it was a—it was, was a bad thought. <laughs> it was a bad thought. Here, but here's the other thing: you have them both. Both guys were running go routes, right? So you're picking a side. If anything, have someone run something shallow to give another option. Like that's what was weird to me. It's like you're—you're you're putting all your eggs in the basket. That you're going to throw it deep on this. And so if you do that and you don't get any separation, then you miss, you, like you said, Jonathan apologized for it, but it's just like, it's like, okay, well, that had zero chance of working. Well, not zero, 2% chance of working. Why are you doing this? It led to a field goal for Washington State, such as life. But yeah, that was bizarre. That said, I just want to say this. Any Oregon State fan down on Jonathan Smith for anything needs to get over themselves because you are seriously lucky to have him as of right now. And if he's going to be reckless sometimes and daring because he probably feels like, hey, we have nothing to lose in some situations. Let's just be <clears throat> a little daring and reckless. And you just got to live with that. Just my two cents. Well, there there is some thought. And I, I thought I'd ask him about this week that he did a lot of this early in his in his campaign at Oregon State because, I mean, the talent was just wasn't there. And they had to do they had to gamble on some things to, you know, to make things happen. But at what point do you do you do you slow down that stuff because you've got you've got better you got better talent are you are you telling your team are you telling your team that you know hey we're still not really that good and you know we still got to do these things on the edge and and whatnot i i don't know what the answer to that is but i thought i might ask him about that just to just to see what it, what it, what his thinking is in, in, in that regard because I, I i don't know the answer yeah yeah that definitely was interesting okay um, the final drive, Oregon State got the ball with what about five five minutes to go, down yes. a touchdown. Yes, and they, I mean they they got they got down to the red zone, couldn't quite pull it off. But um, what was your impressions of the final drive? Well, I mean, I think uh, myself and pretty much everybody in the stadium thought five minutes to go. They, they had the ball. I want to say around the 30, they started uh, on their own 20, 20. Okay. It was, and they were running the ball. They, they don't seem to have, I mean, clock doesn't seem to be an issue when they're running the ball because at some point somebody's going to run off a 20 or 30 yarder and they started running the ball. And, and you just noticed the way that they were approaching the line of scrimmages. They, they, there was no urgency whatsoever to run plays so I was thinking, shoot, they're just going to keep running the ball and and try to get down to the end zone and inside the final minute, and so Washington State wouldn't have a chance to respond. But then, for some reason, Jonathan decided they wanted to take a few shots on a day when the shots weren't working, and they did get one to Champ Flemings on the left sideline. It was about a 22-yard pass play that got him down to the 28. And I don't know, maybe that got him thinking, hell, hey, we could do this again. But even if that's true, even if you think you can, you can hit these passes, 
Why would you want to give that offense another chance to get on the field and win the game when you haven't stopped in the entire second half? I mean, I honestly thought they were going to try to score inside the final minute and maybe even go for two, <laughs> you know, just so they didn't have to go in overtime because they weren't stopping Washington State at all in the, in the second half. I that I actually thought that was a that was a possibility until they started winging the ball all over the place. My feeling on that is that first of all, you're on your own twenty. You can't start thinking about, well, we want to score with no time on the clock, <laughs> right? You have to get in position to score first. Once you get cross midfield and you look at the clock and you look at where you are, that's when you can start maybe messing around a little bit with the clock. But you got 80 yards to go. To me, you're trying to get whatever yards you can with the best way possible to move the ball. Um, because if you start thinking, oh, we're going to score, but I don't want to score too fast, then you're going to end up killing yourself. As far as rushing the ball, I heard someone on TV was talking about this too. I'm thinking, wait, you're criticizing Oregon State for running, for not running the ball in a five minute situation. That didn't make any sense to me. So I'm look, I'm like, I'm looking at the play by play. For the first play of the drive was a two-yard rushing play, two yards. Then they passed it for eight, got a first down. Then there was a legal motion. So now you're first and 15, and they passed for 11. Then they rushed for three. Then they rushed for 10, but he fumbled, right? Forced fumble, they got it back. Okay, then then they passed for 23. So now, so now that was on first down. So, so now... Their passing game is carrying them. Their running game is not doing anything for them. And they're at mid, they're now, and you're at, the, and you're at midfield. So I don't understand the criticism. Well, no, of, no, no. After the 23 yard pass, there was still two plus minutes left on the clock. Oregon State had two timeouts left and they're on the 28 yard line. At that point, you're talking are, about then. Yeah. Why, why, okay. yeah. That I didn't, I didn't have any problem with what they did up until they got to you know around the 25 ish you know at that point but with two two minutes to go two times 128 138 when they were on the 138 remaining when they were on the 28 um okay I'll based take on the word. play-by-play i'm looking at yeah i thought i thought i saw 208 or something like that but they had plenty of time to run a number of plays on the ground with the timeouts they had especially if they were you know getting up and showing a little bit of urgency um, okay, but they did. Okay, but first down incomplete. Second down, they did rush for zero. Timeout. Then uh, pass incomplete. That that was. That, yeah, I, I, I'm now. Now I'm going to have to dial up the the uh, the, the play by play. Then with one twenty two came the pi. So so again, they they did pass on first down. They did pass on first down. So you can criticize that. But then they run on second down. They get zero yards. Well, no. What the, what what killed them though is on. It was the first down play where Chance Nolan got sacked for eight yards. He got sacked. Right. That's that's after the pi. Right. No. No. That 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 was that. No. That was before the pi. I believe. Um, no. No. It's right after the pi. According to play by play. So Chance Nolan passing complete to Ghoul penalty pass interference. The next play, Chance Nolan sacked eight yard loss. And that was at the fourteen. So you could argue right there. First and ten at the fourteen, yeah, with with a minute over a minute to go. That's where it's like, okay, why are you not running it right there? Because your running game has been dominant, and they get a sack. Yeah, the pi was, um, god dang, um, the, PI the pi was, was on fourth and ten. Uh, I thought it was fourth and nineteen. Um, it was because uh, they had to get oh four. Okay, it was fourth and ten. Right, right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and no, yeah, you're right. Nolan got the sack there on first and ten. 
Right. But that's just, where you could argue. So that part of the drive, yes, I would agree with you 100%. Like, you're, you're first and 10 at the, four, at the 14 with over a minute to go. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah. yeah there, was one, been there was, there was 138. You're right. 138, ball to 28. Um, they did run it once. They took a timeout. That was their first of three timeouts, I believe. And then, um, you know, then they started throwing it pretty much. I don't know. It just seemed like, it seemed like they had time on their side and, and they were trying to take a shot. It, the, 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 the one to Bradford, I, I just didn't get, they threw up a, a go route to Bradford on, um, uh, I believe it was second. And, oh, I think it was on second down. One of the, one of the downs, they tried to throw him, you know, to the, to the right corner with about a minute, a minute and change left. And I'm thinking, okay, even if you hit that, you tie the game, unless you go for two, you're giving Washington state way too much time. Cause they just they had stopped them all half. So I just, that just, I, I didn't get it. I just didn't get it, but you know, I, but, but they, but they, these, these guys know, I mean, obviously they're way more into the film than I am. So, but I just, I just thought that was a situation where it was a day where they weren't throwing it well why would you go as Kanzano road? Why would you go to your weakness instead of your strength? Yeah. Well, I would say clearly, especially first and 10 at the 14, um, you're, you're with an over a minute to go. Like you're, you have 14 yards to gain in well over a minute. I've always been a point, a, a yard per second guy. If you have a, if you have a second for every yard you need and a timeout or two, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, so in this situation, you need four, you have 10 seconds for every yard you need. On that first down play, which ended up being the sack, to me, yeah, I mean that's where you, you know you, you maybe you line up in a formation where it looks like you're going to continue passing, and Washington State remains in a in a pass heavy defense. Now, obviously, Washington State doesn't have to protect anything vertical because you're only on the 14, but still, that's where you're like lean on your offensive line, lean on your back, take some pressure off of your quarterback who's been struggling. Even on this drive, he was pretty up and down. And you just you run straight ahead. If you don't get much, fine. You go to the line of scrimmage. You run the next play. But yeah, your strength is rushing the ball, and you rattle off six yards right there. Now you're on the eight, and you only need four more for a first down. Now you're now you got Washington State having no clue what you're going to do next. You're in complete control of everything. But they pass and they get a sack. You know, right there's a situation where if you do pass, it has to be something where it's a quick one, two, throw it away situation or what have you, where you're not giving up a sack in any stretch of the imagination because now you do that. And what happens, of course, you are second and 18 on the 22. So now, now you're, now you're in trouble because now you have to try and pick up 18 yards with a passing game that's been struggling the entire time. And of course, they couldn't do it. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah, back to the first and 10 at the 14. I mean, that, that is exactly the right time to run it there. And not even just, they could have run like a fly sweep, which they, they do pretty well. You run a fly sweep, it's 50 50 that you might get to the sideline anyway and stop the clock. You, you know, and, and that's a play they, they run quite a bit and, and get some good yardage out of. And they didn't do a whole lot of the fly sweep against Washington State. Maybe it's because of their speed, but. But that seemed like a good chance to run a play like that in that situation. Okay, a lot of things that went wrong in this game where, uh, you know, that the coaches, I'm sure, are beating themselves up over as they watch film, things they could have done differently, things they could have done better. Uh, bottom line is they lost. They lost a tough game on the road. Uh, it, they're still in a great position, I think, coming into Pac-12. If, we, if either of us had – well, we did say. If they're 2-1 and one after the first three games, that's great. 
So just because they won the first two and then lose the third one, we shouldn't lose sight of that. I think they're in great position. The goal still is to get, a, get make it to a bowl game, right? I mean, winning eight or nine is would be nice. But at the end of the day, if they reach a bowl game, it's a successful year regardless. Do you still agree with that? Oh, correct. And, and I, I, I still think there's a good chance they can go four and two, match what they did in the, in the first half uh, during the second half and go four and two again. So, uh, you know, somewhere between six and eight wins this season's a, is a winner. So, and, and all that's, all that's still out there for them. Okay. Since we have a bye week next week, we're not going to dive much into their next opponent, but let's just do what we do every week and just look ahead at the schedule. Let's base, cause it's funny when, it, the thing about the Pac-12 that I love that people gripe about is they beat them, you know, they all beat themselves. They beat each other. Like they just, they cannibalize each other, which is funny to me when people say that's bad for the conference or the conference is weak because they don't have a dominant team. Or whenever a team looks dominant, dominant, they lose to a conference opponent, which means the conference is weak. That may never made any sense to me. But the only reason why people think that way is because you have to, you know, win 10, 11, 12 games to have a shot at anything big. So the idea of parity means you're weak, which I think is garbage. In any other league, parity means, can mean strength, not in college football. So I think that's dumb. That's why you need more playoff teams. That's another the conversation. But you look at each team differently after each week because the narrative changes after each week. So with Oregon State right now, the narrative, narrative has, I think, changed from, oh man, they beat SC and Washington, two traditional conference, you know, heavyweights. For most, you know, most of their existence, this means they can do X. Well, now they just lost to Washington State, which was perceived to be down. So now it sort of changes the narrative a bit. So looking ahead now, what's your realistic win projection for this team? Yeah, I mean, I go back to something else you said. I mean, the, the people like to look at the Pac-12 that it sucks because they don't have any teams in the CFP, which I've always thought is stupid, but. It it hasn't been good because not only do they not get a team in the CFP, they don't win. They aren't winning bowl games, and they're not winning a lot of the non conference, big non conference games either. So that's that's where the criticism's coming from. I it doesn't mean that this year the the conference won't be better, even if there is parity. You know they'll have to prove it during the bowl season, and they they've won a couple of non conference games that they haven't won in the past. So the league the league might be better. Even if they're, even if they are beating each other up this year, but you know, back to Oregon State. Well, by the way, Oregon State, USC, or excuse me, Utah, Oregon State, September twenty or October twenty third game. That the game time has been announced at four thirty. So, woohoo, we got an afternoon game. <laughs> In fact, there's there's only there, there, there's there's four afternoon games out of the five uh, five of the six. Uh, uh, Pac-12 games or afternoon games. Who 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 would have thought that um, on the on that on October 23rd? So anyway, um, so yeah. No, anyway, Utah. Yeah, Utah's next up for Oregon State, and and you know, they, it's a it's a it's a stretch of three games. You know, they could be bowl eligible by the end of October, and I don't know that a lot of Beaver fans could have thought that was possible. But Utah will be played Arizona State this week, and. And, uh, you know, they might be flying high coming into Reeser um, if they beat Arizona State because they'll be in first place in the South. Um, but if Oregon State could get Utah, and I'm not saying it's easy, but they 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 almost beat Utah last year down there, so it's possible. And then they have Cal to, to finish out in October. If they can finish out win-win, get to six wins going into November, 
it's going to be a nice it's going to be a nice end of the season i think it's it's it'll be it'll be interesting at least for for beaver fans to be you know win-win six and two bowl already secure um and then a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff still on the table to to work on in november definitely uh i I agree with most of that i i think you know unless they fix the passing game and that that rises back up to at least solid you know to me cal and colorado are the two that you look at and say okay they should win those but then again we said that about washington state they could easily drop one of those and then utah's scary utah beat washington state utah beat usc uh, Utah lost a close game to, to a good San Diego State team, and they lost a close game to a good BYO team. Both teams were ranked at the time they played them. I'm sure where they are right now. Um, so Utah, to me, they're they're the favorite in that game um, next week. So that could easily be a loss. And then, like I said, I think they at, at the worst split Cal Colorado, and then you have Stanford Arizona coming to town and at Oregon. So it just everything looks different to me after the Washington State loss. And I still think they're going to become bowl eligible. I, I don't. I could let, let's put it this way: I very, I very easily could see them going two and four the final six if they don't fix the passing game. Let's put it that way: if the passing game continues to be mediocre as it has been the past two two weeks, they're going to be lucky, I think, to win two of the next four. Oh, I, I'd go a step further and to say if they don't get the passing game fixed. The only game they 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 might win is Colorado if they don't get something out of the passing game. These you know down the stretch, Colorado is about the only game they could win. They could lose the rest of them. So you know they got to get that fixed, and then their defense is is you know is got to figure out some things. But like I said, I I don't see a lot of Washington State offenses left on the schedule, so I'm not too concerned. I'd say I'm just concerned. I guess when it comes to their path to the defense. Right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm not leaving the house this weekend. I'm, <laughs> I, I've had an, I, I'm going to PAC 12 basketball media day tomorrow and Wednesday in San Francisco. And then I'm, I am, I am chilling the rest of the weekend. Cause I've, I've, I've been gone. I've been gone way too much lately. So, well, that's it for the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress along with Nick Daschle. Please remember to hit that subscribe button and leave us a positive feedback rating. We'd appreciate that. And we'll be back next week to preview the Utah game, which promises, I think, to be another close, interesting contest. I feel like the rest of the games this season are going to be just like the last two we just saw. We will dive deep into that matchup next week. See you then. <laughs>